When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. KYA is sponsored by Book Riot Insiders, the digital hangout spot for the Book Riot community. Live your best bookish life with the updated perks at Book Riot Insiders. We've sweetened the current short story and novel levels and introduced a brand new epic level, and you can try any level out for free for two weeks. The highlight is our new group read available to all epic members. And there's no cap on epic, so the more the merrier. Each quarter will read a book voted on by Epic subscribers that will fulfill at least one task of the 2020 Read Harder Challenge and will cap off our read-along with a live chat. But wait, there's more. Get the full details on this and all the other perks and sign up at insiders.bookriot.com. Welcome to Hey YA. From great new books to favorite classic reads, from new stories to the latest in on-screen adaptations, Hey YA is here to elevate the exciting world of young adult lit. Hey YA is a book right podcast hosted by me, Kelly Jensen, alongside Eric Smith. We're recording on Saturday, April 11th, 2020, after recording yesterday, Friday, April 10th, 2020, and uh, my computer deciding to not record our episode. So uh, we're, we're doing this again. It's going to be we're fun. We'll again. see. It's fun. Yeah. We'll see how our jokes land the second time. <laughs> so let's let's start with how we how we always start. Uh, have you been reading lately? Uh, I have a little bit more. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a little hard, but let me see. I so I've been doing a lot of those extra credit episodes lately. I try to like record them all in a row when I have time, and <laughs> now I have tons of said time. Uh, <laughs> so I know a lot of our listeners are going to hear me talk about the same books like five different times in various orders. So. <laughs> I'm very sorry, but I'm still on, like, my adult rom-com trip, for obvious reasons. It's making me happy. Uh, But the second book in Emily Duncan's series came out this week. So I dropped everything, and I started reading Ruthless Gods. It's this, like, big, chonky book that, thankfully, my toddler can't throw behind the couch. (laughs) That's really nice. Like, like, it's so thick, it won't fit between the crack, uh, between the couch and the wall. So it's already, like, a five-star book. There are... (laughs) so many books behind that couch and like every time one falls back there i can like hear it like clatter against all the other books that are like (laughs) buried there will i ever see them again i don't know will i ever read them um it'll be a fun surprise when i eventually (laughs) pull the couch out uh you know when he's a when he's a cool teen and ready to move out and i discover all these books (laughs) (laughs) but yeah you know i really liked wicked saints a lot it's like this exciting thrilling super dark book um, yeah, and so far the sequel does not disappoint. I don't know. Other than that, I'm just, you know, still reading my adult rom-coms and just, uh, just trying to get through client books for work because, you mm-hmm. know, I gotta do my job. But yeah, what about you? What, what are you, what are you reading? I finally, like, after having a hard time reading, in part because I was gone for the first half of March and then coming back to, you know everything it's been hard to get in that groove but I think I finally found it again it's a little bit different it's a little bit slower but I blew through Verona comics by Jennifer Dugan and yeah uh infamous hot dog girl book author and um 
I like this one. It was a rom-com with a lot of meat on the bone, like a lot of really good stuff in there about mental health that I was pleasantly surprised by. I didn't know it was going to be in there is what I mean by that. Not like I didn't expect it could be well-written, but like I didn't know that that was going to be a big theme in the book. And I really enjoyed that. And then uh, I also read When You Were Everything by Ashley Woodfolk, which I know you have raved about. Oh, yes. Yeah, I loved how challenging it was. It's uh, it's a book about a friendship breakup. And the main character, Cleo, is um, she's not exactly the hero or the heroine in the story and not always likable. And I really like that about it. I liked seeing this friendship breakup from the perspective of somebody who maybe was the catalyst for the end of that relationship. I really like going and reading reviews of books like this one just to see what other readers had thought. And a lot of people didn't get that she wasn't supposed to be like the the likable one in the story. And uh, (laughs) so for readers who like really complex females who like friendship breakup stories where maybe you kind of know what happened. That's a great one. Oh, yes. No, I loved, loved, loved that book. It was, oh. It was just super gutting. I, I I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. And um, I like that it was only one perspective, too. So we didn't get to see um, the other side of the story. Like Amy Spaulding's book that came out this year, too. Uh, we Used to Be Friends goes back and forth with the two main characters. This one focuses on just the one. And it was fascinating to read those two and just see what they did that was similar and what they did that was different with Friendship Breakup. Because we don't see that theme a whole lot in YA. So that was... That was nice to see. And um, the other book, I read another book that I'm going to talk about a little bit later in the show. And one of the reasons I was so devastated that we had to re-record this podcast is because listeners will not hear the noises you made the first time I talked to you about this (laughs) book and like what you did while I was talking about it. Um, So you might have to recreate that later on. Had the the same experience I had. But um, yeah, another book that's an adult book with huge YA crossover is one that I read and going to talk about a little bit later down show. Yeah. What else happened this week? You had a, you had a cover reveal this week. How are you you feeling about that? Um, pretty good. Like I I love my book cover. I love this book. You have an essay in there and yeah, I I have an August pub date, which when I first heard that, I was like, oh man, I've got a summer pub date. That can be kind of tough right before school starts though. So maybe it's not too bad. And now turns out summer is going to be like the big release season for YA books now. (laughs) And, um, So I'm feeling okay about that, and I don't tend to read Goodreads reviews because I really do believe Goodreads reviews are for readers, not for authors, but I did peruse this one just out of curiosity to see like the first readers, what they were thinking, and I was just so pleased to see that they got what I was doing with the book, and I was like, all right, good enough. You know, like for me, that's all I needed is just to to see that like at least one reader got what I was doing Yeah. (laughs) Um, because this isn't an easy book to describe and it's not like it's not a puberty book it's not a body positivity book and so it's very much like all right I hope other people outside my team get this and when I saw that that was the case I was like all right good I feel feel pretty good about it and don't need like any more validation about that if that makes sense yeah totally oh can't wait for that book it's gonna be super fun I keep thinking about how there are like authors in the Philly area that are in that book and I'm gonna have to metal and have a fun event like it's i'm excited for you yeah i i'm so excited for the event that you were talking about trying to put together because i was like ooh, three very different pieces three very different styles and tones there's some really funny stuff in there and then there's some really like heartbreaking stuff in there um 
there's a piece about having IBS and Crohn's disease, and it's basically five pages of fart jokes. And... (laughs) Awesome. Like very, very serious, digs into a very serious thing and yet is laugh out loud funny because you're like, that's a really good fart joke right there. <laughs> <You know>? like, <laughs> oh, so yeah, that's that's how I'm feeling about it. And listeners will likely hear more about it when it gets a little closer because it still feels pretty far away, considering that, you know, March was 12 years long. April's going to be about 15 years long. So got a while till August. Let's let's hit our first sponsor so we can dive into the meat of today's show because it's really good. One of my favorite sets of topics we've talked about in a while. Uh, so our first sponsor is Flatiron Books, the publishers of The Night Country by Melissa Albert. The highly anticipated sequel to Melissa Albert's beloved New York Times bestselling debut, The Hazelwood. In The Night Country, Alice Prosperin dives back into the menacing, mesmerizing world of dark fairy tales and hidden doors. Follow her and Ellery Finch as they learn the Hazelwood was just the beginning and that worlds die not with a whimper but with a bang. With Finch's help, Alice escaped the hinterland and her reclusive grandmother's dark legacy. Now she and the rest of the dregs of the fairy tale world have washed up in New York City, where Alice is trying to make a new unmagical life. But something is stalking the hinterland survivors, and she suspects their deaths may have a darker purpose. Meanwhile, in the winking out world of the hinterland, Finch seeks his own adventure and, if he can find it, a way back home. Thank you to Flatiron Books Publishers of The Night Country by Melissa Albert. And I'm sad I haven't read this one yet because I really like the first book. Yeah, me too. And, you know, ah, I always run into this problem with sequels. And I, I know, it's, I guess it's an exception right now because I'm reading Ruthless Gods. But, like, sometimes <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't pick up the sequels right away. And it mm-hmm. takes me a while. And I'll just, I'll end up buying the whole trilogy. And it'll just sit there on my shelf. And, yeah, I really need to, uh, really need to dive into the second book. Let's dive into something we haven't talked about on the show before, and that is Shakespeare retellings, because it is April, and April is our birthday celebration for good old Billy Shakes. Hooray! And like, oh, I just want to put this out there. There are there's hot takes floating around on social media about how like Shakespeare wrote King Lear while he was in quarantine. And like, I don't know, it's like one of those really bad, like pseudo-motivational things that's supposed to make us like work harder or something. I don't know. Um, but anyway, if you're like a, a reader or a writer and you're seeing that floating around, it's making you feel bad. Um, don't, you know, just yeah. feel angry about that nonsense, you know, read and write when you can, or just watch lots of Netflix, do what you need to do. Honestly, if Shakespeare had been around with the internet and with Netflix, he would have done the same thing. Like there oh, would not absolutely. have been, you know, his plays, he would have been tweeting about what he was watching on Netflix and like, that would be interesting. Like, I kind of want that <laughs> that feed now. But yeah, I, it was a different time. Like, they didn't have the same kind of entertainment that we have now. And I think that now it would have been a totally different experience, you know? So do you want to start? Actually, I'll start since I think I have an extra one. My first pick for great Shakespeare retellings is Tigers Not Daughters by Samantha Mabry. Uh, this is a, a really clever riff on the classic King Lear story. but not a straightforward retelling. So readers who are familiar with King Lear will see the parallels, but in the end, there's a big 
twist to how this one works out. It's a story about four Latina sisters in San Antonio who are really desperate to escape their home, uh, which is very patriarchal with a lot of oppression and pain. And it starts with the death of one of the sisters. So there's four sisters, but the story is really about three of them processing the grief of Anna, their older sister who died. Um, So the three sisters are each dealing with this loss in a different way. Uh, Jessica is trying to become like her older sister, Anna. Iridian is reading her sister's books and attempting to write those kinds of stories. And Rosa, the youngest of the sisters, is trying to connect with the um, natural world around her. But Anna, despite being physically dead, isn't exactly gone. Um, Her ghost kind of keeps the girls connected and fighting the power that is attempting to keep them down. The line, Tigers Not Daughters, is from King Lear. And rather than this be a story about a father choosing his favorite daughter, this is a story about the daughter saying, you know what? We don't need you, dad. It's awesome. It's beautiful. It's very, if you like Nova Rensima, you'll love the writing in this one. And it's just like, if, if I could think of like what it means to read a Samantha Mabry book, this is the one. Oh, um, absolutely. Ghosts, sisters, magic. It's beautiful. And that is Tigers Not Daughters by Samantha Mabry. All right. My next one is, uh, or my first one, rather, is uh, The Only Thing Worse Than Me Is You by Lily Anderson. Uh, this is a burp. This is the... Uh... The first book I ever blurbed, actually, in my, my writer life, and is a uh, sort of evergreen, eternal favorite when I'm talking about uh, geeky books. And, you know, it's it's actually probably the perfect read-alike for Jennifer Dugan's Verona comics that you just talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, so in this book, we meet a geeky teen who's vying for uh, third in her class uh, against her nemesis, who happens to start dating her best friend's uh, best friend. Uh, and the two of them are forced into this, like, reluctant friendship uh, you know, based on their friends' relationships, and then start to get a little closer due to their love uh, of everything that's geek. You know, they're very into their fandoms, they're obsessed with their local comic book shop. Uh, it's just this really wonderful book about love, friendship, and then uh, maybe surprise betrayal. Uh, <laughs> it's a fun spin on Much Ado About Nothing, and you know, also 10 Things I Hate About You slash The Taming of the Shrew. Uh, and it's just a, a ton of fun. And that is uh, The Only Thing Worse Than Me Is You by Lily Anderson. My next pick is Exit, Pursued by a Bear by E.K. Johnston, and it's a take on the winter's tale. I read this book when it came out, and that was quite a few years ago. And the more that I'm away from it, the smarter and more memorable it becomes, if that makes sense. Like, I liked it when I read it, but the further away I am from it, the more I think about it. This is Johnston's only contemporary novel, and it looks at victimhood in a light that I don't think is explored a whole lot in YA. And that's what happens when everything goes right. Um, So Hermione is a rape victim. This happens at the beginning of the novel. And um, she has this incredible community of support around her. Her parents are super supportive. She's got this incredible best friend who is just like forging ahead and speaking out on behalf of her, um, her rights on behalf of rights of victims. And, She has this great therapist and great police officer working on her case. Her town isn't this suffocating place, and neither is her story. So Hermione is able to take care of a lot of business on her own if she needs to. And it doesn't make the sort of waves and headlines that so many rape stories do make. And those are super important and vital. Um, This is just another aspect of, of books like that and another aspect of this story. It's a really fresh perspective, and I really like the writing in this one. And that is Exit Pursued by a Bear by E.K. Johnston. 
Let's see. My next one is uh, "As I Descended" by Robin Talley. Um, I feel like this is like the this is like the odd one out in like Robin Talley's like publishing collection. Uh, you know, like most of her YA novels are these like YA historicals, and this one is a retelling of Macbeth set at a boarding school uh, involving ghosts and magic. So it's a uh, sort of this creepy, eerie little book. Um, these two teen girls are trying to uh, stop another student from winning a scholarship that they're vying for, uh, thanks to some words that are whispered to them by ghosts. Supposedly, this boarding school of theirs has been haunted for a long time. And I don't know, I'm looking at like all of my recommendations here, and I don't know what it is, but I feel like every Shakespeare retelling that I like has to do with like taking out rivals in some way for scholarships and class rankings or happen to be in a boarding school. I don't know. I don't know what's going on here. Um, I think that's an agenda you're pushing. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, I'd maybe add to uh, the mix of this because this is a, uh, a Macbeth retelling. Uh, Foul is Fair by Hannah Kappen. Um, I haven't gotten to this one yet, uh, but it's a retelling uh, from Lady Macbeth's point of view. But not actually Lady Macbeth. It's a Lady Macbeth-esque <laughs> character mm-hmm. at a uh oh at a private school. i think it's used at a private school I, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure but i'm pretty sure i cannot wait to read that one i haven't read it yet but it looks it looks really good oh yes very kelly book my next one i haven't read yet and i'm gonna use a description for it but i'll talk a little bit about it beforehand and that's if you come softly by jacqueline woodson which is a a take on romeo and juliet and this one came out over 20 years ago and it just had a redesigned cover for the 20th anniversary last year or two years ago. I can't remember which one, but um, it's a classic YA and it's also a classic of Woodson's catalog. So I'm a little embarrassed I haven't read it yet, but I'm going to. So Jeremiah feels good inside his own skin. That is when he's in his own Brooklyn neighborhood, but now he's going to be attending a fancy prep school in Manhattan and black teenage boys don't exactly fit in there. So it's a surprise when he meets Ellie the first week of school. In one frozen moment, their eyes lock, and after that, they know they fit together, even though she's Jewish and he's black. Their worlds are so different, but to them, that's not what matters. Too bad the rest of the world has to get in their way. And that is If You Come Softly by Jacqueline Woodson. My next one... Oh dear, where'd I go? Okay, here we go. Is uh, <laughs> Speak Easy, Speak Love by Mikkel George. So I was trying to find some like underrated YAs that I, I thought were maybe uh, a little overlooked in the, in the Shakespeare retelling category uh this one came out in 2017 uh it's another retelling of much ado about nothing uh but this one's set in the 1920s and oh a character gets kicked out of a boarding school (laughs) uh so yes this is a definitely a thing that i'm uh i'm sort of hooked to here uh so it's a y romance with six characters all with their own agendas set at a long island mansion uh that happens to have a speakeasy in the basement so we have like a rolling 20s uh sort of ya uh i almost said contemporary uh ya romance here and a random note here, <laughs> this is so funny, Kelly. Uh, when I was looking up Shakespeare retellings and trying to find some more obscure ones, I found the novelization of 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh. <laughs> and did you know David Levithan wrote the novelization? <laughs> I did not. And I was going to, I'll I'll save it, but I've got a story about 10 Things I Hate About You. Um, <laughs> and so when I saw that, I laughed because I did know that he wrote some novelizations of like Charlie's Angels. For oh, YA. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's got sort of like this backlist of really fascinating novelizations. And maybe maybe in a future episode we do like the the secret past lives of YA authors or something. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure Jonathan Mayberry, who who did those those Rotten Ruin YA novels, did a uh it was like a predator 
uh, novelization. He did. I know he, did, he definitely did one of those novelizations. Uh, that'd be really fun to dig into, I think. Yeah. So uh, my next one, actually, I think I've got two back to back here. And both of them sound like books that I would absolutely devour. And yet both of them I haven't picked up yet. Something about the cover. And um, it's super unfair, but also like the covers don't give away exactly what's going on in these books. And I need to read them. Uh, So the first one is Falling for Hamlet by Michelle Mm -hmm. Ray. And it's a take on Hamlet. This is an older one. And it has everything I love in a book. But again, make the cover kind of turn me off on this one. Uh, Here's a description for it. Meet Ophelia, a blonde, beautiful high school senior and longtime girlfriend of Prince Hamlet of Denmark. Her life is dominated not only by her boyfriend's fame and his overbearing family, but also the paparazzi who hound them whenever they go. As a devastatingly handsome Hamlet spirals into madness after the mysterious death of his father, the king, Ophelia rides out his crazy roller coaster life and lives to tell about it. In live television interviews, of course. Passion, oh, yeah, passion, romance, drama, humor, and tragedy intertwine in this compulsively readable debut novel told by a strong willed modern day Ophelia, and that is Falling for Hamlet by Michelle Ray. Um, you didn't have another one, did you? No, no, those are my bundles. Okay, let's let's talk about this next one a little bit. So my next pick, my last pick in this category is If I'm Being Honest by Emily Wibberly and Austin Siegman Broca. And it's a, it's a twist on Taming of the Shrew. And before I dive in, Eric, have you read any of the books by this duo? They've done three. Yeah, so I haven't. And, you know, after looking them up, I realized that I probably really should. Because yeah. they're definitely writing books that are, are very, uh, very up my alley. Right. Yeah, I I was really surprised. Um, I think for me, it's the covers don't tell the whole story, maybe. And um, yet the descriptions like look like my thing. Their first book is a Shakespeare retelling. This is their second book. That's a Shakespeare retelling. And their third one comes out, I think it comes out later this month. And it is not a retelling, but has a lot of Shakespeare references in it. So second story before I get to the description of this one. Taming of the Shrew is one of my favorite Shakespeare plays because uh like a total nerd I read it in seventh grade for fun um (laughs) I that was when 10 things I hate about you came out or thereabout and I was obsessed with the movie and I was like well what would anybody who loves a movie do they would read the novel based on it and you know turns out the novel was Taming of the Shrew uh which is not a novel but a play so I read (laughs) it and um I can't say I understood all of it but you know, having seen the film adaptation, I actually understood way more than probably would have without that. And for some reason since then, it's been one of those plays that's just like, I really like it because it challenged me so much um, at that point. And also like the Julia Stiles film is great. Um, <laughs> so so anyway, if I'm being honest, here's the, here's a little blip of it. Um, I have to censor it because we are not allowed to use one of these words on air. Um <laughs> High school senior Cameron Bright's reputation could be summed up in one word, which with a B. It's no surprise she's Queen B at her private LA high school. She's beautiful, talented, and notorious for cutting and brutal honesty. So when she puts her foot in her mouth in front of her crush, Andrew, she fears she may have lost him for good. In an attempt to win him over, Cameron resolves to tame herself, much like Catherine in Shakespeare's The Taming of the Shrew. First, she'll have to make amends with those she's wronged, which leads her to Brendan, the guy she's labeled with an unfortunate nickname back in the sixth grade. At first, Brendan isn't all that receptive to Cameron's ploy, but slowly he warms up to her when they connect over a computer game he's developing. This is where Eric made some noise last time. 
<laughs> now, if only Andrew would notice. But the closer Cameron gets to Brendan, the more she sees he appreciates her personality, honesty and all, and wonders if she's compromising who she is for the guy she doesn't even want. That sounds awesome. And oh, that is um, If I'm Being Honest by Emily Wiberly and Austin Siegmund Broca. Yes, I... Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to check out the books. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I... Like, we should do a secret, like, Hey, YA Extra Credit, that's the two of us reading one of those books. <gasps> yes! Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah. Do you want to hit our next sponsor before we dive into the topic that people are going to be shocked that you were like, yes, let's talk about that? Sounds good. <laughs> so, our second sponsor is Conventionally Yours by Annabeth Alpert. Uh, Conventionally Yours is a groundbreaking LGBTQIA plus rom-com with a quirky fandom theme. It also has strong crossover YA appeal due to its young characters and low heat level. Red, white, and royal blue meets fangirl in a charming romance that incorporates fan-favorite tropes such as enemies to lovers, opposites attract, uh, and found family. It's perfect for best-selling authors like Serena Ballin and Carrie Ann Ryan. Uh, Conventionally Yours has been called funny and wise and sweet and emotional and uniquely quirky. Although a witty and fun rom-com, the story also deals with some deeper social issues such as identity, neurodiversity, and self-acceptance. Uh, Anna Albert is an award-winning author and is very well-known in the LGBTQIA plus romance space. Mm. That's conventionally yours. I'm about to check that one out. I was going to say, that sounds like an Eric book for yeah. sure. Yeah, fandom rom-com? Yes, please. <laughs> so, yeah, so for our next topic here that we want to dig into... Well, you know, one of the odd and sort of like delightful things that I've been seeing on social media during the, this quarantine time uh, are the creative p- ways people are shooting videos and whatnot in lieu of sports. Mm. Uh, I saw this video where people were doing these um, like sports commentary-esque voiceovers over marbles that were racing downhill <laughs> in like a dugout maze. Uh, and it was so funny. It was like two people going back and forth talking about which marble is going to win. They're talking really fast. And like I would just loving all that silliness mm-hmm. uh and since we are getting these sports these days and i'm hearing stories about my my neighborhood philadelphians re-watching phillies games on youtube right now i thought it might be fun to dig into uh some favorite sports ya yeah uh, and you know books to read right now if you're missing your your sports games yeah let me start with the one that made eric make noises and see if you can do it again oh my okay? goodness I'm, <laughs> I'm so excited about this book <laughs> All right, so this is the book that I alluded to at the top of the show that I read recently. It's a it's an adult book, but it has great YA crossover appeal, and I think that it will get some serious discussion um, at Alex Awards time, which is uh, best adult books for for YA readers. And that book is We Ride Upon Sticks by Quan Berry. It's set in 1989, and it follows the Denver High School girls field hockey team which includes boy Corey as well so all girls and boy Corey, and it's important i put that there because there's also girl <laughs> Corey. they're two separate two separate people so the team is terrible um but during their summer camp training they discover that they can tap into their witchy powers that they all have as girls and boy Corey and residents of danvers <laughs> which is where the famous witch trials left their mark so the oath they take happens in a book that features a cover of emilio estevez and they the team believes that this is helping them tap into their superpowers <laughs> they begin they begin to wear these armbands in solidarity and then they begin to win a lot um they're no longer the worst field hockey team and no longer the worst team in their school and 
uh, surprise, they make it to state playoffs in field hockey. This book is a real romp and a total delight. And it's packed with all kinds of late 80s references, as well as a lot of really <laughs> smart insight into sexuality, gender identity, and feminism and field hockey. Each of the chapters is follows one of the members of the team. And it's, again, all female voices except boy Corey, who you get to know pretty well and discover has some um, depth that will be untangled. The book reminds me a lot of Now and Then, the movie, in that it's it's told from 30 years in the future when the whole team gets back together and starts reminiscing <laughs> about this year that they had, like practicing as witches under the you know magical powers of Amelia Estevez. Um, there's <laughs> one character in the book who has like the classic 80s bangs and it has its own name it's called the claw and it has like its own personality throughout the book too and the claw is sometimes very pert and very like you know gonna get stuff done and then other times the claw is very sad um it is a riot this book just like I needed it when I read it and I can't stop thinking about it and laughing whenever I think about it and yeah I think no no doubt why readers would love this one it's uh we write upon sticks by Quanberry. Oh my goodness, I am so excited. So uh, the second you told me about this book, <laughs> I went and bought the audiobook while you were talking about it. Uh, it sounds fantastic. <laughs> what you got? What's, what's your first pick? Uh, so my first one is uh, Zero Boxer by Fonda Lee because, you know, we didn't say anything about sports that had to be real. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to drop in this uh, debut from someone who's become one of sci-fi's biggest voices. Uh, so in Zero Boxer, we meet a teen who is a celebrated star in, uh, well, Zero Boxing, which is basically like gravity-free uh, boxing. Uh, it's a spacefaring book spanning a colonized Mars and an Earth that's fallen by the wayside, uh, and a hero who finds himself caught up in the middle of a big criminal empire uh, that doesn't just threaten his life, but the entire uh, solar system. Um, it's so funny because this book made me think a lot about playing the weightless soccer game in Final Fantasy X. And while I was, like, making notes to talk about this, I wrote, like, right, Kelly? And then I remembered you have, you don't know what Final Fantasy X you have. <laughs> um, but the Final Fantasy VII remake came out this week, so it's kind of all that's on my mind right now. But yeah, Zero Boxer was excellent, and Fonda Lee's amazing, and she had those other books uh, with Scholastic after them. Um, Exo, uh, that, that mm. came out, like, two years ago, uh, that are also really good. So, uh, yeah. Check out her, uh, check out this uh, fake sport book, uh, Zero Boxer by <laughs> Fonda Lee. My next pick is one that um, I kept thinking about as I was reading We Ride Upon Sticks, and it's called We Are the Wildcats by Siobhan Vivian. This one, so, so one of the things that I love about sports books is that they are often not about the sport at all. Like yes. the sport is there and it can be a driving force in the story, but it could also be the frame of the story uh -huh. and for this one it's more the frame even though you do get some sport in there um so it's about the varsity ho field hockey team of west x essex um and they are legendary despite their loss at state finals last year to be mm. a girl on this team is to be a true wildcat and to be somebody at school so the girls who make the final cut for the team this year get together for their annual night before the first scrimmage bonding night. And there's a lot at stake here. This is when they um, dole out uniforms and numbers. Like there's a lot of tradition that goes on during this night that has little to do with the game. But uh, during this particular night, six different girls start to reveal secrets that they've kept 
close about the way their coach has been a toxic influence on them individually and then as well as a team. Uh, the book is told under 24 hours. I want to say it's like 12 to 15 hours is the, the time frame. Uh, all six girls get a voice and the perspectives keep the pace of the book moving really good while giving um, broad and encompassing idea of what it's like to be an elite female athlete on a team knowing for the being the best. There's a lot of really good stuff in here about team bonding, about passion, and about the ways that those things could be manipulated by an outsider, particularly a um, adult who is in a position of power. The writing in this one is really good. The perspectives are each distinct and um, just a real, real winner of a book. And that is We Are the Wildcats by Siobhan Vivian. Oh, I love the cover for that book so much. <laughs> uh, I've got that sitting on my shelf right now. Um, all right, so my next one uh, has to do with the real sport, uh, and that is uh, Shut Out by Cody Keplinger. Um, so in this one, we meet a teen who is absolutely fed up with the warring sports team as at her high school, uh, the football team versus the soccer team. Uh, so her and her friend stage a hookup strike uh, until all this nonsense stops, uh, but the sexual tension just boils over, and soon it's a standoff between everybody, and there's a love triangle between the main character uh, and a boy on uh, one of the other teams. Uh, and, <laughs> oh God. So I feel like this makes a great backlist recommendation, uh, and will anger all of our listeners because this book is almost 10 years old. No. It's 10 years old, I know. Which, no. Uh, and when did the Duff come out? Duff was oh, before this, right? Yes. Like a couple years before this one. Oh, Jesus. Oh. Well, sorry World. to depress, sorry to depress everybody, but, uh. This book is good. So the shout out by <laughs> Cody Keplinger. Uh, it's another one of her awesome, like, sex-positive YA novels. Yeah. That that hurt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my next pick is Break the Fall by Jennifer Iacopelli. And this one is either just out or coming out very, very soon. Because before uh, book mail kind of stopped showing up in my house, I got a finished copy of this one. So keep an eye out for it. And... Uh, I have written before about how few gymnastics books there are in YA. There are quite a few dance books, which is awesome. I love dance books. Um, but I also love gymnastics books and just don't see enough of them. So um, I'm really excited to see this one and to dig into it. Uh, I know another reader who said it was very technical. And I don't know, that for me, for a gymnastics book, is like the catnip I need. Here's the little, the blip for it. Audrey Lee is going to the Olympics. A year ago, she could barely do a push-up as she recovered from spine surgery, one that could have paralyzed her. And now she's made the United States gymnastics team with her best friend, Emma, just like they both dreamed about since they were kids. She is on top of the world. The pressure for perfection is higher than ever when horrifying news rips the team apart. Audrey is desperate to advocate for her teammate who has been hurt by the one person they trusted most. But not all the gymnasts are as supportive. With the team on the verge of collapse, the one bright spot in training is Leo, her new coach's ridiculously cute son. And while Audrey probably, okay, definitely, shouldn't <laughs> date him until after the games, would it really be the end of the world? You know the answer to that. Uh, balancing this tenuous relationship with her teammates with unparalleled expectations, Audrey doesn't need any more distractions. No matter what it takes, she's not going to let anyone bring them down. But with painful revelations, incredible odds, and the very real possibility of failing at every turn, falling at every turn even, uh, will Audrey's determination be enough? That is Break the Fall by Jennifer Iacopelli. See, and my, I think my last one in the bundle here is uh, 
one that makes Kelly feel vindicated right now, and that is uh, a short yeah. history of the girl next door by Jared Reck. Um, so I was I was going through like a, a reading streak, I don't know, a couple months ago, where like I was, oh, I was just trying to read like smaller YA books because time and work and everything, and this is one of those you know thinner YAs. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a it's a wine novel about unrequited crushes, uh, aka the teen experience. Uh, if your name is Eric Smith, uh, <laughs> it's a YA basketball novel about a teen in love uh, and who has been in love with the girl next door forever. Uh, and what happens when that girl starts dating someone else on his basketball team, um, and not just anybody else, but like this guy that he kind of wants to like be just like. Um, and while that might sound like the fun like YA rom com love triangle romp. Uh, book's a little heavier you know it hits you with some tragedy uh it's sweet beautiful and heartbreaking it's just just a really unique uh YA novel that uh I should have listened to Kelly sooner about yeah <laughs> you that never screw me wrong I I'm not a big like crier when I read that one I get tears like streaming down my face it was oh. <sighs> gave me feelings a lot of them my next pick is one that when Eric was talking about the marble racing and the commentary about marble racing um this book came to mind because part of the story is that the main character narrates his experiences as though he's a sports broadcaster Um, (laughs) and that is here to stay by sarah farrison and i know i've talked about this book a lot but uh i'll keep doing it because it's good and more people need to read it i agree yeah uh so bajan is uh, kind of a dork, and he's really confident in being that. He loves basketball, and he is a GV uh, on his private school's team, but he subbed in at a big game, and he makes the game-clinching shot, but then things don't go well. So, like, he's definitely rubbing elbows with cool kids that he's never hung out with before, but uh, then he becomes the outlet for some overt racism and Islamophobia. Um, and while the school acknowledges it, like they don't really do anything about it because they see it as kids being kids. Uh, then one of his friends becomes a target. And because she's a nice white girl, the school finally decides to step up and figure out what is going on and who is doing this. Um, super heavy topics here, but Sarah's writing is so funny. Bajan himself is just this character who you cannot help but love. He's super likable. And the sports commentary that he does about his (laughs) life is a riot, like laugh out loud, funny the way he talks about things. And I just, it almost, I shouldn't say it almost, it definitely makes the, the heavier stuff in this book really strong because you love this kid so much. And you're like, man, but why would anybody ever treat another human being that way? And that's, that's sort of the, the whole gist of it. And that is Here to Stay by Sarah Farrison. Excellent. Well, I don't know about you, but I think that's all I have. I've got one more I wanted yeah, to Yeah, dig it. I haven't read this one. But um, this is an author who has had more and more books coming out. And I need to read this one. This is a soccer book. And I will start by saying soccer is not my favorite sport. But I know it's like the world's favorite sport. So I feel like it's necessary to include a soccer book in this this roundup. And it's uh, Running with Lions by Julian Winters. It's uh, 
little description goes like this. Bloomington High School's Lions star goalie Sebastian Hughes should be excited about his senior year. His teammates are amazing and he's got a coach who doesn't ask anyone to hide their sexuality. But when his estranged childhood best friend Amir Shah shows up to summer training camp, Sebastian realizes the team's success may end up in the hands of the one guy who hates him. Determined to reconnect with Amir for the sake of the Lions, he sets out to regain Amir's trust. But to Sebastian's surprise, sweaty days on the pitch, wandering the town streets, and bonding on the weekend sparks more than just a friendship between them. That is Running with Lions by Julian Winters. All right. That's a good roundup. Yeah, it is. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to our episode this week. If you've got feedback about the show, you can leave it on Apple Podcasts. Uh, it lets us know how we're doing, and it helps other people to find us. Thanks to today's sponsors for making this show possible. And you can follow me, Kelly Jensen, on Instagram at HeyKellyJensen. You can follow Eric Smith on Instagram and Twitter as Eric Smith Rocks. And we'll talk to you all again in two weeks. Until then, happy reading. Bye. Bye. Bye.